This morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible this morning. Luke writes, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life, cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him? And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all your possessions can be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its flavor, how will it become salty again? It has no value, neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. People throw it away. Whoever has ears should hear and pay attention. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we continue our sermon series on following, what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus Christ as He invites us to follow Him wherever He goes, whenever He goes. These are the words that I've thought up. This past week, as I've spent time in this scripture thinking about it, wondering, pondering, and reading other things and seeing what others have to say about it. As Jesus essentially in the Gospel of Luke is laying it out to say, what does it mean? Here's what it means to be a follower of mine. Here's what it means to be someone who is seen to be a follower of Jesus. And most importantly, someone whose heart is seen as faithful by God when it comes to their spiritual faith at the end. Not in comparing ourselves to others, not in looking to others and seeing where we stand, but simply standing before God or thinking before God or praying about what the day has been and saying, have I been faithful to the God that I serve and to the Christ that I profess? This morning's scripture that we've read, I think we can put into one of those boxes of Jesus' teachings that are difficult to understand and to read. Difficult because of the language used. I don't know how many of you, but we don't really use the word hate in our conversations very much in our house. We don't hear it spoken very often. In fact, it's a word that's pretty extreme when people use it in the English language today when we say we hate something. And so we put our understanding of hate on Jesus' words. When he tells the crowds, when he stops and says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to hate your own family. You've got to hate your father, your mother, your siblings, your children in order to follow me. You know, it's a passage of scripture that's just uncomfortable 
Because if we read it as it is without really taking time to think about it, it seems that Jesus is asking us to set aside everything that we love and know, to set aside everything that we have, to set aside all that we have done and have accomplished in order to be a follower of Him. See, this passage is difficult because it tells us what it might mean for us to be followers of Jesus. So this morning what I hope for us to see as we study this scripture is for us to see that Jesus indeed does call for us to follow him, but that Luke goes further by telling us that we have to know the cost. We have to know what it's going to require. We have to know what we might be called on to do. One of the commentaries that I read this past week is N.T. Wright. Some of you may be familiar with him. He's on the news every once in a while. He's a leading theologian, biblical scholar. He's based in England, um, and so he's an Anglican bishop. But he's got uh, the Luke for Everyone. He's got the For Everyone commentary series that he's been writing. And he puts an example to what Jesus is saying in modern day language that I thought was appropriate. And so I wanted to share with you this morning. He writes, Imagine a politician standing on a soapbox, addressing a crowd. If you're going to vote for me, he says, you're voting to lose your homes and families. You're asking for higher taxes and lower wages. You're deciding in favor of losing all you love best. So come on, who's on my side? The crowd wouldn't even bother heckling him or throwing rotten tomatoes at him. They would just be puzzled. Why on earth would anyone try to advertise himself in that way? Then he says, but wait a minute. Suppose instead a politician, we think of the, instead of a politician, we think of a leader of a great expedition forging a way through a high and dangerous mountain pass to bring urgent medical aid to villagers cut off from the rest of the world. If you want to come any further, the leader says, you'll have to leave your packs behind. From here on, the path is too steep to carry all that stuff. You probably won't find it again. And you'd better send your last postcards home. This is a dangerous route, and it's very likely that several of us will not make it back. We can understand that. We may not like the sound of it, but when we hear stories like this of sacrifice, they make more sense. I mean, I think these two examples that Wright has written into this commentary are great ways for us to think about this teaching of Jesus's. If a politician did stand up before us and tell us what might really happen in the future, if we vote for them, we might have that same reaction too. Why are you wasting my time? If a medical team came to us and said, we're doing what we're doing to save lives. Yes, there is a risk. Yes, there is a probability that some of us may not make it out, but in the end, we will be able to see and say what had happened. Then it could be worth it. So I think part of that story connects with us because it's part of something great. A medical team going and taking and helping and offering their assistance and their knowledge and their skills to others. It's something great because it helps humanity. It's something for others. And it being something for others, it connects us with the sacrificial love of God that we see expressed in Jesus Christ. In this story that we read this morning, I believe Jesus kind of tells us two things, or there's two things that 
that I took from it as I was studying it this week. The first is that Jesus does call us to be followers. People who are willing to go wherever and whenever. People who recognize that the cost of following Jesus has a potential of changing our lives from what we know today to something else. And so to be disciples, to be individuals, we have to be willing, he says. Don't go get rid of everything that you have. But he says you have to be willing to surrender all that you have, all that you are, in order to follow me. And so when he says to hate those that are closest to you, Perhaps the error there could be in our understanding of hate versus how people use the word hate in ancient times, which in one of the commentaries I read, it said was love less. So if Jesus is saying to the people, I want you to hate, I want you to love less your father and your mother. I want you to love less your brothers and your sister, your, your children. Because I want you to love me more. See, that makes more sense to me. It makes more sense than me saying that Jesus is is telling us to hate all of those who are closest to us and instead love Him. But what He's saying is, look at your biggest love. Look at the greatest loves in your life. Look at the things that are most physical and real and close to you. And love me more. Be willing to love me more. Love me so greatly, love me so deeply, love me so intentionally that even when you're comparing your love to me, to all your other loves on earth, your love for me will be greater. See, it's not hate that he's telling us. It's not hate that he's telling us to express to those that are closest to us. But what he's saying is, To really be a follower of me, you have to love me in a greater way. In a deeper way. Than any of the other relationships that you have. See, Jesus wasn't trying to to toss aside our families. He wasn't trying to break up everything that we do. But I think what he's trying to do is to tell us and to get us to think about what the cost really is. For us to follow him. And what the cost could be. And so when comparing our love for Him to our children, to our spouses, to our mothers, to our fathers, siblings, and our friends, He says, your love for me has to be greater. Not because you hate those other people, but simply because you have to make me your greatest love to be a follower of me. We can admire Jesus without loving Him. We can listen to Jesus without loving Him. We can live according to His teachings. We can attend worship. We can have all of the aspects of a spiritual life. But if we do not love Him, then we can't be a follower of Him. And so if we profess as a people of faith to be followers of Jesus Christ who are willing to go wherever, we have to make Him our greatest love. And in making Him our greatest love, our love for Him will permeate and saturate everything else in our lives. All our relationships, our service, our worship, uh, the things that we do out in the world and work and other places. 
Because we've said we're going to follow him wherever. The second thing that I took from this teaching this past week is Jesus is telling us that we have to know the cost. We have to know the potential cost. We have to know what it might mean to be a follower of him if he is going to take us to the most extreme, far-reaching area of the world. We have to know what it means to be a disciple. Jesus used an example of a man building a tower and a king who was leading troops off to war. The man began building the tower without knowing how much money he had to do the job. And so he started playing uh, laborers, I guess, and they started cutting stones and hewing the stones and laying the stones. And then he realized that he was out of funds. And Jesus said, are you going to be that man when it comes to being a disciple of me? who's come and invested at the beginning without seeing what it's going to take to be a follower of me in the long haul. See, in his story, he said the man was ridiculed because he didn't check ahead of time. He was belittled because people came and said, look what he did. And then he used a second example about a king going to war without first attempting to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could face the 20,000 soldiers that his rival was bringing. Jesus said if the king realized that the battle was going to be in vain, basically, wouldn't you send a representative to negotiate peace while the enemy is far off? And then Jesus said in the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all your possessions can be my disciples. See, I think what he's saying to us and to these people who were listening there that day is that discipleship is costly. Being a follower of Jesus is costly. A person who decides that they are going to become a disciple must know the risk and they must make their decision based on that truthfully and faithfully because this isn't a casual decision to be made. It's a decision that could take you anywhere to people, to places, to things that we can never do on our own. It could change our lives, the lives of those we love and the lives of those around us. Our saying that we will follow could literally change the world as we invite the power, the grace, and the unlimited possibility of God to guide who we are and how we serve Him. I want to end just this portion before the choir sings with a quick story about someone who, um, when they said wherever to God, uh, God literally took her at her word. Uh, Mindy and I had the the opportunity, we had a a youth sponsor in Albuquerque named Terry, that um, Terry was raised in Aztec, New Mexico, and she was going to UNM, and she was just awesome. This awesome young woman of faith. that had grown up in Aztec, New Mexico, which meant, you know, she didn't have a lot of exposure to parts of the world. And so, like, when Mindy and I took her to a Chinese restaurant, that was the first time she'd ever had Chinese food. And she was, like, 19. And so after uh, three years of her being at the church, she she was trying to figure out what she was going to do next. And she was thinking youth ministry and NASCAR. All right, so she was going to go to to North Carolina, which she did. I mean, this girl, anyway, she was determined. So she went to North Carolina, and she wanted to get on with one of the racing crews. And then she wanted to do service to God as a part-time youth minister. So she got to Nashville. She was hired as a youth minister. I don't think the NASCAR thing ever really took off. And then she got invited to be on a tour. It's called the World Race, right? 
where uh, they take a different team of people from all around the United States and they put you together and you travel around the world on Christian mission for nine months. This is Terry who had never had Chinese food till her freshman or sophomore year in college. Um, you know, she's in Haiti now. That was like five years ago. She did this year in mission. I think her plan was to go and to just, you know, get some life experience and come back and, and get her master's degree and go and, and work in ministry. But, you know, God touched her in a place. They went to Haiti and she worked at an orphanage. And when they finished their world mission, she went back and is working with a different organization and managing an orphanage and just got married to a guy. And, um, you know, but see, when God says follow wherever, we have to know the risk. We have to know that the risk is great, but if we're faithful, He'll take us, He'll provide for us, and He'll show us where and, and who we need to, to reach and to connect with as long as we choose to be followers of Jesus Christ. So this morning I invite you as we share in Holy Communion and as we listen to the choir share their, their music to prepare us, just to think about what it means for us to be followers of Jesus, what it means for us to profess His name and to stand before God and to see that we have been faithful as we choose to serve, as we choose to worship, as we choose to offer ourselves to the one who gives us life, love, and the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen.